always ask this morning that you would, uh, that you would release your Holy Spirit, that uh, we would experience your generosity towards us today, that we would know how deeply you love us, uh, how much you gave for us, um, and that our response because of who you are and what you've done would just be, it would just be huge. So come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, have your way in this room with us. Might we have an encounter with you. Might who we have been and what we are come up against who you are and we all be different. More like you, in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Say hi to everybody real quick. We can say hi. So say hi, give some waves, have your comfortable. It's good to be together. All right, when you're done, you can have a seat. All right, first thing I have to say is last week, I thought last week was the end of the series. I was wrong. It's this week. But here we are again, so I apologize. That was unintentional. I didn't mean to. Uh, but I think our end today is very fitting. But before we go into this week, I want to remember last week just for a moment. Last week we talked about the Sabbath, how the Sabbath is, is, is a gift. And we start, we, we're calling it a yes day. So it's a yes to God, a yes to each other, and a yes to fun. It's a good day. So my family did this yesterday, and my kids love yes day. It is the best day. We went to lots of parks. Today, can we go to a park? Yes, it's yes day. And they kept saying, Daddy, it's yes day. Let's go to a park. Yes, okay, we'll do it. We got donuts before lunch. Uh, mommy got some sun. We watched a lot of Paw Patrol. It was a good day. My kids love yes day, all right? And then someone else wrote me last Sunday they came to worship and then they decided, you know what? We're going to try it yesterday. So this next year we're going to talk about Sabbath a whole bunch. So I just want to put this in your mind as we move forward into that. This is what they did on their yesterday. They came here and then, this is what they did. Uh, it was lunchtime. So they thought, well, some people wanted Culver's, some wanted McDonald's. So they said, yes, we'll do both. All right, so that was lunch. Then they played Mario Golf on Nintendo Switch. I never played, but it sounds like it's a lot of fun. And they thought, when was the last time we played mini golf? And they said, I don't know. Should we go play? Yes, let's go do it. So they went and had a great time, lots of laughs. Afterwards, they said, you know, we haven't played a board game in a while. Should we go buy a board game at Barnes & Noble? They said, yes, let's go do that together. That'd be great. So they played the game, they went and got it. And then they realized at Jordan Creek Mall, they had a P.F. Chang's gift card. They said, should we go to P.F. Chang's? Yes, we have a gift card. Let's go do it. And then they closed the day with what they said, which you have to on the way home, Jersey Freeze. They had a yes day, and it was a good day. They worshiped God, a yes to God, a yes to each other, and they said yes to fun. So maybe today could be a yes day. I'm not sure if you've done one or not, but just put it in your brain. But that's first. Second, uh, this is the last Sunday in our series, and I have an ask of us at the end. Uh, and uh, 
So I want us to leave with a blessing of, gener- of, of generosity in Jesus' name. We're talking about generosity, this whole series. I want you to le- believe being blessed. So I have the blessing. It's right here. It's written up. But I don't know who's going to be the blesser. So I'm putting it in your head now. I need like, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight people to come up front. When we're done, during the last song, it's written out. All you have to do is put your hand on someone's shoulder and read the blessing. But I want some people who might, I wonder if some people are starting to feel a little quickening, a little something, like, I don't know, maybe I'm supposed to be that person. If you're feeling that, I think you are, because I think that's the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to get in the game. I want you to come be a blessing, all right? So think about it. I'm going to say at the very end, all right? And if you have, I'm just, just be brave, be bold. All right, so we've been talking about this series on generosity. It all comes out of our, our purpose statement. Uh, here's at Third Church. This is the annual report if you want to get one. They're up front. They're pretty great. Uh, people who come in contact with us will experience the fruit of the Spirit, an ever-deepening intimacy with a triune God, and this is what the series is on, an ever-increasing sacrificial generosity of the body. That's what this series is all about, okay? So to end the series, the title for today is, What Does a Generous Person Look Like? We've been talking about it, learning about it, generous with our, our resources, our time, our jobs, who gets invited to the table, who we spend our time with, generosity. So what does a generous person actually look like? So I worked at Celebrate Church for three years and I loved Celebrate Church, loved Knoxville. If you ever want to get out of town and go to church somewhere else, it's right by the racetrack, right in Knoxville. You'll have a great time. Go check it out, Celebrate Church. But there's a family who did everything. They always came. They brought their whole family. They served in worship. They served, I mean, whatever it was, they were all going to come and help out. And I was just so impressed with their kids because they were bringing their kids early on Sunday mornings and they were always happy. My mom's in the back. She probably said I was not always happy going to church first thing in the morning. But they're always in such good moods. So one day I thought to myself, I'm going to be generous today. I have $20. I walked over. I said, I'm just impressed with you all. What you, you come and help your parents. You always come and serve. You're so kind. Here's $20. Walk next door to Casey's and get like some breakfast food. I don't care. Whatever. And then put the rest in the offering plate. You would have thought I asked them to do something horrible. They looked at me like, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think we can take your money. I said, oh, sure you can. It's right here. 20 bucks. You take it, walk across the street, get your food, come back, offering plate. Great. We're good to go. They said, I don't think we can. I said, hold on a second. And they all ran out of the room, high school to grade school. They came back and said, we're right. We can't have your money. <laughs> I said, sure you can. I sure said, here. I said, guess what? I want you to go tell your mom that you can't be generous until you've learned to receive generosity. So you go tell her that. They said, what? So you can't be generous until you've learned to receive generosity. They ran out, came right back. She said yes. <laughs> and they went and got food. And I saw her later and she said, well played. I said, I was ready for you. I was ready. So that's kind of what today is about. What does a generous person look like? Well, I don't believe we can be generous until we can receive generosity. So I've been struck by that. When someone tries to do something kind for me, I'm a proud Dutchman, I say, no, no, I I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm fine. Help somebody else. Or I owe you one. I'll I'll get you back. No, can I I do something for you? Instead of just receiving a gift. 
Because generosity, according to a Bible dictionary from our summer staff, is showing a willingness to share more than is expected or necessary. So someone gives me something that's unexpected, I didn't see it coming, I can't receive it very well. So I've been thinking about that a lot. Why is that? Then I kept thinking about it. Last night I laid awake in bed thinking about this. If I can't receive generosity from a person without wanting to earn it back, it's like, did I, have I accepted the generosity of the cross? Have I actually accepted, received the gift of Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave a gift, his son. So if I think I have to earn it from people, sometimes do I still think I need to earn it from him? I think he wants to give us a lot more. But my desire to earn is getting in the way. So what does a generous person look like? Well, we're going to start in our text. We started a series in Matthew 6. I think Jesus lays out the process. And then we're going to talk about a generous person in this book that I never saw coming. All right? So we're going to start Matthew 6. And we're actually going to go to 24. That's, I, I, I sent that in early and I missed it. So Matthew 6. We're going to read 19 through 24 if you have your Bibles. If not, some of it's up there. If not, I'll read it. Again, this is Jesus talking. It's the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. This is what it says. Do not store up for yourselves. And also, I'm going to swap some words out. Because some of these words, there's some helpful translations that help us just think about it a little bit differently. Okay? So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the eye, which is a euphemism for your heart. So if the heart is the lamp of the body, if your heart is good, generous, right? Your whole body will be full of light. You will shine bright. But if your eyes, your heart is bad, stingy, right? Your whole body will be full of darkness, selfishness. So if you're stingy, you're full of selfishness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that selfishness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What is Jesus after here? Jesus has always been after our hearts. He would say stuff all the time, like out of the overflow of the heart, we live. So he's asked us the question right here, what is in your heart? What's in the deepest place part of you? the place where you make your decisions, where you choose to do or not do, to say or not say, where you use your things or don't use your things, what is actually in there? What do you worship? What has your attention? What can't you think about when it's your time to think? What's in there, Jesus says. And what I love, I I read this text like, it's almost like it's a process. This is the starting line. He starts with something tangible. He says, you can't serve two masters. Let's just get specific because I know you all. You can't serve both God and money. That's helpful for me because some of the stuff in here is it's a little more abstract, we'll say. Money is not. My time is not. I have a checkbook, a bank account, I have a calendar. I can tell every single week where I use my money and where I use my time. It's very obvious where I worship, right? So he starts with money. 
And I always love the, the famous line uh, from John D. Rockefeller. Everyone's probably heard this. It may or may not be true. But John D. Rockefeller was the, maybe the richest person I don't like ever. Like at one point in time, you know, 90% of the U.S. gas and oil companies, he was worth 1% of our whole economy. Like wealthier than wealthy. He makes our wealthy guys today look like nothing. The Bill Gates, the Warren Buffett's, like they're chump change next to how rich he was. And the story goes, someone said, John, John, how much money is enough money? And he said, just a little bit more. Right, so he, Jesus begins with money. Because it is something that we use to, we feel like we're in control of our lives. It's very, I can see how we could end up worshiping some money, right? Our stuff, our, you know, all that. He starts there. It's the starting line in a process of becoming a generous person, though. So what's the result if what we worship? So what we treasure, what lives in our heart, Jesus is saying, does it have longevity? Does it last? Or does it not? Because the problem is, if it doesn't last, guess what's going to happen? If you keep reading, I'm not going to read it now. He says, you're going to start to worry. Why are you going to worry? I think because we kind of know in our hearts that it's not going to last. So since we know it's not going to last, we try to hold on to it really tight. A person, money, job, whatever it is. Like, I have to enjoy every second of it. I can't share it because I don't know how long it's going to last. And she's saying, yeah, it's not going to. So you're going to begin to worry. And the word worry here means to actually, to actually be strangled by something. So the worry... You become so anxious, so distraught, you're so, the scarcity, you're so scared of losing it, it actually starts to choke the life out of your life. So it, it's going to choke the life out of you, but I think it chokes the life out of all of your relationships as well. Because you're so bound by that thing, you just move everyone else to the side and you miss them. So he says you're going to start to worry and worry and worry. So he says, so if you want to believe some, if what you worship has longevity, and not worry, what do we have to do? Well, verse 33, it goes on. It says, so, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What are these things? The Father knows what you need. It's right before that. He knows what you need. He knows what you need, not what you want, what you need. He says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, you're going to get those things too. Like he'll take care of those things for you. What is his kingdom and his righteousness? I had a different idea, but before I was talking to somebody, I think we think, I think, so righteousness is right relationships, right? It's a relationship that is restored. It is good. Someone told me before this that we last, right? Do you know that, right? We, we live forever. We, there's options of where we live, but we live forever. So in Jesus' kingdom, in his economy, what matters the most? People. So he's after a kingdom where the greatest or the least, the last shall be first. It's, you know, it's love and forgiveness over power and control. Right relationships. He says, seek those things only. If you're after people and their hearts and you're willing to not be right, which is a hard thing. Because if I'm right, you're wrong. But if you're right, then I'm wrong. And then we've got a problem. There's a lot of that going on right now. We're, just, we're all right right now. So he says, if you don't do that, if you're willing to be patient with someone and ask them questions like, why do you believe that? Why are you so passionate about that? Tell me more about your story. What is it about that issue that you're so concerned about? I actually want to know. That's righteousness. 
That's allowing the relationship to grow. That allows you to have time with them. That allows the Holy Spirit to work within your relationship. That's his kingdom. Seek, seek and seek only his kingdom and his righteousness. So this is a process. I'm going to say this. Money is, I think, my opinion, is the starting line. Once you enter this kingdom, once you have received that gift, the first thing I know how to give is what I have. And we start there. But then he says, but I'm going to keep asking you for more. But the funny thing about Jesus' kingdom is that it starts really small. And it gets a little bigger. And then it gets a little bigger. And then it gets a little bigger. And then it gets a little bigger. You know, it starts as a mustard seed. It gets huge. It's, it's, it's little, uh, uh, yeast and unleavened bread. Like, it starts tiny, but it gets huge. It takes over all of your life. Because I actually think giving money away is the easy part. What he's going to ask for down the line when it comes to generosity is the hard part. Okay? So we're going to look at a story. So, so according to Jesus... Our heart has to have the right treasure in it. Something it has to be that, that, that lives on. It's long. We have a long perspective. Then we don't worry. And then we're going to start choosing others. That's generosity. So, as I got ready for today, I don't know why exactly, I kept thinking about a name. And the name is Barnabas. Anyone know who Barnabas is? He's in the book of Acts. I don't know almost anything about Barnabas. I know very little. I know, all I know is he's a son of encouragement. And I always want to be encouraging. So I like that about him. I like this Barnabas guy, right? But I, so I'm not sure why I came to mind, but I started following his story through the book of Acts. And I think he is, what does a generous person look like? I think it looks like Barnabas. Right? So I'm going to say about Barnabas today, okay? So we're going to start in Acts 4. I think we have a slide that has the text. If you have a Bible, if not, I'll, I'll read. But these are the things he's generous with, Okay? So Acts 4, 36-37, we talked about this passage recently. It's when the early church is just forming, and people have left their livelihoods, their homes, their families, and they have nothing, so the church is having to pool their resources to help each other live. It's right here. So Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put the apostles' feet. So Barnabas says, join the kingdom. He says, Jesus, yes, he's my king. There's a need in my community. All right, I got, I'm not sure how many fields he has, but he sold a field and he brought his money so people could have tools to work, they could have food to eat. He saw the need. That's an easy solution. I got some money. I will give that. So he was generous with his resources. Starting line. Acts 9, 26 to 27. Watch how this thing progresses though. So it says this, when he, Paul, who was Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. So Paul, who was Saul, was actually persecuting the church. So all the disciples did not like Saul because Saul had just overseen the death of probably a friend of theirs, stoned to death. He has a miraculous conversion story, if you don't know it. Jesus meets him in a robe. He gets changed forever. The world's changed forever. And now he wants to join the church. But they're all afraid of him not believing he was really a disciple, right? I would make sense. I would be scared too. An interesting thing, uh, quick aside, I was listening to somebody who runs a large uh, organization and uh, he talks to faith people all over the country, churches, all kinds of stuff. Talk about being afraid for one second. And he said one of the most striking things to him as he talks to people who belong to churches is that he feels like they are more fearful than people who don't go to church. He hears more fear 
for people who believe in Jesus than people who don't. And I just cannot stop thinking about that either. Why? I notice that in myself. I get fearful. I should not be fearful. I believe in something that lasts forever. So anyways, so Barnabas, they're all afraid. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. He, told, he, 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 he vouched for, for, for Saul, now Paul. So Barnabas, been generous with his money. Now he's generous with his reputation and what people think about him. He says, I know you don't believe this guy at all, but guess what? I do. So he went and got him. He risked, I mean, maybe life. I don't know. He was generous, and he brought him into the group. Barnabas did that. He was unafraid. Huh. Let's keep moving through the story. So he's generous with his resources, his reputation. He's willing to risk. Acts 13.2. While they, that's the early church, the disciples, are worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them, and they sent them off. So he's generous with his resources, then his reputation, and then Holy Spirit says, and now I don't know what he has at home. And I said, I want you to leave. I want you to change your livelihood for me. Because he's moving through this progression of generosity, he says, sure. And he'll go with the guy that no one wanted to go with. He's the one guy who will go, right? Pretty, this guy is remarkable, isn't he? So, Resources, reputation, livelihood. And now while these two people go out to bring this good news to the world, they experience everything together. They experience conversions, healings, miracles. People get saved they never thought would be saved. The gospel is going to new places. Great things, the highest of highs. Then they get persecuted. There's mobs, there's prisons. They get beat, all kinds of terrible stuff. So the lowest of lows. So these two guys, I'm imagining, form an incredible friendship. When you go through that kind of stuff with somebody, your relationship becomes deep, right? Which makes what happens next really surprising to me. Acts 15, 37 through 40. So Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So when the things got tough, John Mark bailed. How does that feel? I, I don't know. You ever had somebody bail on you before? When things got really tough? So he bailed. They had such a sharp disagreement that these two friends who have gone through everything together parted company. Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and left. And he went the other way. So I think it's pretty easy to give away some money. Not easy, but it's easier than reputation, than livelihood. What's maybe the hardest thing to give? It's forgiveness. It's this progression of generosity in Jesus' kingdom. And he's got to give it a couple times. He has to give it to the guy who bailed on him. He's not sure what might happen with John Mark. Is he going to do it again? He's willing to invest in somebody that he's not sure of the outcome. I will forgive you. I can't help but wonder, my own wondering, in this conversation, if maybe led to disagreement, if Barnabas reminded Paul of what he did for him. You oversaw the murder of one of my friends. I had to forgive you so you could come be a part of the church as well, to come find you. 
He's generous with his forgiveness. And what was the result of this act of generosity? We don't hear much about Barnabas anymore. He goes one way, and the author of Acts is Luke, and he goes the other way. So we hear more about Paul. So we don't hear a lot about Barnabas. But we do hear about John Mark again. Really interesting. In 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy. He says this, Get Mark and bring him with you, because he's helpful to my ministry. So Barnabas forgave him, brought him along. I'm not sure how, what that looked like. And later on, looks like Paul forgave him too. He says that he actually is helpful to me. I love him. I need him. And then John Mark goes on to write the gospel according to Mark, which has impacted people for 2,000 plus years. All because, my opinion, a person was in step with the Holy Spirit. It was like, and he was becoming more generous. And he welcomed him, he forgave him, and the world was never the same. And what's interesting about Mark's account is that it's different than the other gospel accounts. It's really fast-paced. It's kind of urgent. It's, it's spoken in present tense. It's like things are happening. And Tim Keller said this about Mark. There's relatively little of Jesus' teaching in the gospel. We mainly see Jesus doing. So he writes, therefore, we cannot remain neutral. We need to respond actively. So this progression of generosity. We need to, if we understand the gift we have received, which I'm still thinking, man, I got some work to do and I have to understand this. So I've been asking for help. But once I, we receive it more, we become more generous. I think that the Holy Spirit becomes more generous and then more things happen. We have to actively pursue it. According to Mark. Hmm. So, I have a couple of action steps. What I think first, I actually did this. It's just good to always do what you're going to talk about. Uh, I think we should all thank a Barnabas. We all have a Barnabas in our life. Somebody who believed in us, gave us a second chance, forgave us, stuck. What they, they, they believed in something for us and they helped us along. We all have somebody like that. How would it feel to be that person to them hear from you? So this morning, I wrote a message to Andrew Schmidt. Andrew Schmidt's the pastor of Celebrate Church. I talked about it. And I said, Andrew, I don't know if you will know this or not, but how you treated me has changed my life. I said, someone had to take a chance, give me a chance to become part of a church vocationally. He gave me a chance. He invested in me. And because he gave me a chance, I have this passion in my bones now for giving people chances. To, to welcome them in and let them lead we want to multiply. And I said, it's all because of how you treated me. So I said, thank you. So I gave that to him. And then I wrote a letter to my wife. Because not everyone here is married. But in marriage, there's a lot of, we need a lot of generosity. And my wife, I always kind of joke, uh, 
there were, there were many pursuers at the time when I was trying to throw my, 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 my hat in the ring. And I said, just give me a chance. Just one chance. And she gave me a chance. And she has forgiven me. She has loved me unconditionally. She has led me. She has, I mean, I wrote her this morning. I, whoever I become, I think Jesus uses you the most to help me become who he wants me to be. So I said, I just wrote a lesson. I'm going to give it to her today. She was, our kids are little and I don't know where they are, but she's getting a letter today. So find somebody, think of somebody. I'm going to give you a minute of silence to think about your Barnabas. Tomorrow, I think most people have a day to celebrate. What if you carved out 10, 20, 30 minutes? Write it if you have good handwriting. If not, you type it. That's what I did. But thank your Barnabas. And maybe think how you can do that for someone else. And then I want us, I really, I really want us all to get blessed today. Okay? So there's going to be a worship song in a minute, and I'll invite the band in a second. But I am a big believer in a spoken blessing. Something happens when we bless somebody in Jesus' name out loud. I'm telling you, it's got stories. I had this one the, uh, the other day. Uh, talking to somebody in a hard spot, and I said, you should just bless that person aloud. They weren't ready to say it to them quite yet, but they just blessed them aloud. So they did. I said five minutes later, they blessed them in Jesus' name. A friend who had, would have no idea what was going on in their life sent them a text message. So I just feel prompted just to write you and tell you that I think Jesus loves you. I don't know what's going on in life right now, but I want you to know he's with you and that he's for you and I'm praying for you. Five minutes after he spoke the verbal blessing, something happens. And not like that, when we speak a blessing. Jesus enters into our space, into our life, and I'm not sure what happens in the situation, but things happen and you will be sure if you're paying attention that he is with you in it. So we're closing this series on generosity. If we have received the generosity of Jesus, what does a generous person look like? First, they have received the gift of generosity, the greatest gift. And because we have received this gift, we go and give the gift. So we're blessed to be a blessing. So I really want everyone here to get blessed. But I need some people who are willing to stand up and be the blessers. So in a minute, nope, I'm not going to, yep. Who is gutsy? That's the question. And if no one says yes, I'll just stand here for another five minutes. So, all right. So here you go. And just, just kind of spread out as you come up. So I tried to make it shorter, but it got kind of long on me. I just got excited. So, a couple more. Yes. And young people, if you can read, you can be a blesser. All right? I'm just going to say that. There you go. Just spread out. And so as you come forward, if it's all right, they're going to lay their hand on you. Just open your hands. Come on, cut more, cut more. And just receive the blessing. We're going to be sent with the blessing of generosity. Oh, I love you bringing him up. Good. Yes. Anyone else? All right. Oops. We're getting there. Yeah. Thank you. All right, just kind of spread around the room. I think we're pretty close. I had 12. I said 10. One more. Yeah, all right. 
I have two more if anyone wants. Yes. All right. 11, 12. We used them up. Woohoo. All right. Just spread out around the room. And I have the, have the band come up. There'll be a, we're going to re sing one of our songs, Hope Has a Name. And uh, just as you come up, just receive the blessing. Let them put, if it's okay, put their hand on you. There's also communion for those who want to take it. And uh, I'll pray. And we're all going to get sent out of here having received the blessing to go be a generous person this week. All right? Okay. Oh, man, Father, I'm just excited. I wonder how that was going to go. That was your idea, though. So let's pray that uh, we just invite you to the space. Would you, would you bless and would, we, uh, would you give us all eyes and ears today to see how you're a part of the opportunities to be generous that we get? Would you give us the courage to say yes to whatever it is today? Um, so, we can, so we can and those that we're interacting with get to experience more of your just unending generosity. We recognize today that you have so much more to give than we could possibly imagine. You are so big and so great and so grand and so powerful and so loving. You have so much to give. So just ask in this moment that you would give a whole bunch. And that this room, as we move out into your world, would be different. Say those things in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit.